0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Thrive Sermon Series. During this series, we're exploring what it means and looks like to thrive in Christ. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. Hey, before we uh, jump into the message this morning, I'm gonna release the kids age four through grade eight to go down to the children's ministry wing for some classes for them. Look, we're glad you're here. On this first Sunday in Advent, we're bringing the, the uh, Thrive study to a close. We're, we're glad you've been a part of Thrive. We'll. we hope that you've uh, been blessed. So, so just a couple of thoughts as we bring this series to a close. Here, here's the first one. Um... I want to encourage you to finish Thrive Strong. You know, we put together daily devotions uh, in the Thrive book. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you missed a day or a week or even a couple of weeks. It just doesn't matter. I encourage you to spend some time with those devotions this week. Spend some time in your small group. We're wrapping up uh, the whole Thrive series. Uh, if, if you're not in a small group, well, we encourage you to, to join one. You can find out more about that on our website Here's the second thing that I would ask in return. So if God has blessed you during the Thrive series, uh, we would love to hear it. We'd love to hear how God has has, uh, ministered to you, has blessed you, has taught you. So send us an email at thrive at valleybrook.cc. We would just love to hear from you about that. So if you would, before we jump into the message, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into this place today, Lord, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Holy Spirit, help us hear what we need to hear. Lord, I ask that you would use me and you would work through me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want you to look at anybody that you're related to when I ask you this question, okay? All right, so do you know somebody who likes to be in control of everything, tell you where to go, what to do, how to do it, have the last word to say in everything? Um, A lot of you are smiling, so you know somebody like that. Um, uh, If you're saying, What's wrong with that? then that's probably you. and we call that kind of person a control freak. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can be hard to live with a control freak. And uh, so uh, here's the good news. We're not going to talk about control freaks today. We're going to talk about self-control, which may be what control freaks need. But, but we're going to talk about what self-control because all Christ followers need to bear, need to blossom and grow and produce the fruit of self-control. It's a challenge. I, I believe that of all the fruit of the Spirit, the last one, number nine, self-control, uh, probably is the most challenging and, and difficult because it really cuts us at the core of, of uh, where we are. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines self-control this way. Control over your feelings or actions. Now, it's a very succinct Definition, But I, I think the, the full wet width and breadth of uh, what self-control means can better be found in the Scriptures. So so let me just uh, share with you a couple of things. In the New Testament, there are two words that are translated as self-control. The first word which is used by Paul in the list of the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5, you'll find it in 5.23, refers primarily to this idea of self Moderation or temperance in the gratification of our desires and our appetites, uh, some say that uh, it has a literal meaning of, of inner strength and it refers to the strength of character that enables uh, one to control his or her passions and desires. The second word that is translated self-control is a word that that really uh, has this idea of, of soundness of mind or, or sound judgment. It, it conveys that idea of really making wise decisions with regards to our desires and our appetites. So, um, so let me try to formulate a definition. Um, self-control could be defined as the exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say things that are pleasing to God. Let me say it again. Self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say things that are pleasing to God. Now, just... looking at scriptures that talk about self-control. Self-control is necessary because you and I are at war with our sinful desires. James describes those desires as dragging us away or enticing us to sin. Peter says that those desires, uh, they war against our souls. Paul describes them as deceitful. And, And what makes those sinful desires so dangerous is they they dwell within us. They're our sin nature. And uh, external temptations would not be nearly so dangerous if they didn't have an ally within us that makes us want to go after that. So self-control is an essential character trait for the godly person that enables obedience to the words of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, if, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to have self-control. So we're going to look at self-control in three different areas. The uh, areas of our flesh, of our mind, and of our heart. So here's the first one. Self-control with your flesh. (coughs) Self-control with your flesh. Now, think about this. Do you believe that God is your provider? That, that God has given you every good gift in the world, that, that God has blessed you with whatever you have, and he said, I want you to take care of it, I want you to manage it, I want you to be a good steward of it. That's something that comes out in Scripture from the Old Testament through the New Testament. In the book of Timothy, Paul says, God richly provides us with everything from our enjoyment. So, so God's given us good things to enjoy, uh, but we can go to extremes, can't we? We can become excessive. We can abuse the good things that God provides for us. Bearing the spiritual fruit of self-control recognizes that the good gifts that God has given us should not control us. That if we're uh, controlled by them or worse, addicted to them, that God wants us to break the chains of that control of that addiction. Now, the Apostle Paul himself wrote this. He said, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So if your desires are mastering, if you're losing self-control and your desires and your appetites are mastering you, mastering your flesh, that's an, an issue. Now, I know we just came off Thanksgiving. Anybody eat a little too much on Thursday? A couple of honest people there. Anybody else want to be honest? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw some of your pictures on social media. Uh, I saw some tryptophan-induced uh, uh, naps. And uh, who knows, probably some uh, apple pie naps, too. But, so uh, w- we all have, have, the, we have the choice every day to overindulge. And I guess we sort of have said Thanksgiving's one of those days. Now, here's something you don't know about me. I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, One of the things in Winston-Salem, North Carolina is known for, it is the home of Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, Yeah, you know Krispy Kreme donuts, don't you? Now, look, I've eaten the donuts all over. I've had Dunkin' Donuts, I've had Mrs. Murphy's, but nothing beats uh, a hot... Krispy Kreme donut. Now, I don't know when it was. It was probably sometimes after I got my license, either, uh, you know, in high school or maybe it was all the way into college. But somewhere along the way, you know, we discovered that Krispy Kreme advertised when they had hot donuts to sell. And uh, one of my best friends and I decided one night we would go down and, and we would get two dozen. <laughs> and we split it, Rick. And... Uh, and um, you know, the first six six they just slid right down. They'd melt it in your mouth. Number seven and eight, I think I was beginning to experience sort of a, a sugar high that really wasn't enjoyable. And, and uh, eight and nine, I didn't feel so good. Um, and I don't really remember how many I ended up eating. But I do remember this. I didn't eat Krispy Kreme donuts for a long time after that. Uh, I had had enough. I, I had overdone it. You know, my, my, my appetite for that pleasure, uh, I overdid it. It was ruined. You know, you know it, was, it was too much of a good thing. And, and we all know that. Sometimes we can have too much of a good thing. In, in the book of Corinthians... Uh, you know Paul had to deal with the excesses of the Corinthian culture they had all kinds of excesses and and, and sometimes they would just go to the extreme and, and, and he had to confront an issue that was happening in the church in Corinth you see in in Corinth Corinth was a sort of a, a melting pot of all kinds of cultures and all kinds of religious thought systems and there were people there that would worship the Roman gods and there were there were folks uh, that were Jewish and there were uh, folks who have this new thing called Christianity and, and so some of the Christians we were actually having arguments in the church about could you eat, when you, when you, when you wanted to go get uh, meat at the market, could you eat the meat that had been offered to the, the false Roman gods? You know, there were some who said, no way, you will defile yourself. You cannot buy that meat. You can't eat that meat. There were others who said, listen, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if you eat the meat because those gods aren't real. They don't exist. So even if they're, it's just meat, it's not like you're worshiping their gods if you eat it. And there became this tension in the church. And, and for some people, it was a real crisis of faith if you ate that meat that was offered to idols they would they would feel like they were sinning. They they would feel like uh, they they were uh, just deplorable before God, and they felt like if anybody else did any other Christ follower who did it, that they them they were deplorable and that they were sinners, and they didn't want to associate with them. So so there was the struggle. You know, there were others who who had a more sort of a more mature view of it. And said, listen, you know, you know, it's it's okay, but they had to realize that. For some people, it would cause them to stumble in their faith. It would, it would destroy them. And so Paul said, you know, we don't want to cause our brother or sister to stumble. So, so this is what he said in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. This is basically how he spoke to both sides. He said this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. So, so, don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. I mean, if, if you, uh, you know, if you buy that meat, just don't advertise it, you know, because you're going to do it for the glory of God, and you know you're not worshiping those false gods. But but don't don't invite your friends over who who that would destroy their faith to to know that they were eating meat that were offered offered to the to the Roman gods. So, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You, you see. We were created by God. We need to eat. We need to drink to survive. We were created to enjoy the pleasures that God has given us. But we know that we can overdo in every area. We know that we can become obsessed with the good things in life. We can even become addicted to the good things in life. We know that. Whether it's food or drink or sex or work or anything, we can become enslaved to that. So we need to practice self-control with our bodies, with our flesh. We need to recognize that self-control is a godly fruit that we need to let grow in our lives. So... Think about this. When God created humanity, if you've read the book of Genesis, if you've read the beginning of chapter 1 and 2 and 3, you see that God created the humans at the end of the creation, and he said, I'm going to give you the earth and everything in it to take care of it and manage it, and that makes us different from everything else in creation. We were made to oversee the rest of creation, to take care of it. Yes, to harvest it, to eat it, but also to take care of it, to honor it. Here's something we don't think about too often. Our bodies are part of that creation. That's right. You've been given a body to take care of. Uh, You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to become addicted to something. You you don't want to overeat, overdrink, over this, over that. You don't want to overdo it. You want to be a good steward of the body that you've been given. You're called to do everything to the glory of God self-control and how much we eat, how much we drink, how much we sleep, how much we work out, how much uh, whatever we do. So we have to ask ourselves, are, are we letting the fruit of self-control blossom in our lives in a way that, allow, that allows us, that helps us, that encourages us to do whatever we do? To the glory of God. If it's not glorifying to God, then we're not letting the fruit of self-control grow in us. So that's in the area of our flesh. What about the area of our mind? In, in the scripture that I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul talks about how he deals with uh, his opponent's words. And he says, among other things, To the church in Corinth, that we are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, that idea becomes rather practical for us. We're supposed to take captive every thought in our minds, our minds are the doorway to our hearts. In another place in Scripture, Paul says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's this idea, if we're going to take every thought captive to Christ, then make it obedient to him, then let's think about these good things. In another place, he tells us not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And he says, you'll be able to test and approve what, God will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he, he's telling us to use our minds, to uh, test ourselves regarding our faith and our actions, to, to make it obedient to Christ. You see, Paul understood that, that our, our minds are very important. And so he understood the power of what we take in has on us. And so he said, take every thought Captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, there are specific sins uh, that our mind plays a huge, huge role in. Lust, greed, materialism, envy, selfish ambition. We, we see things and we think about them and we want them. You know, Jesus was really, really clear on some of this, uh, particularly with lust. He said, listen, if you lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. I mean, think about this. This was millennia before pornography had ever come around. He's saying, listen, if you lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Lust, porn, they they lack self-control. It's the same, though, with greed, materialism. You know, we've entered a materialistic season, folks. Uh, Envy and selfish ambition, all the same, you know, whether we have a shopping thing or an envy thing or an ambition thing, those things start in the mind, and we need to deal with them. One of the ways we practice self-control is, quite honestly, we, we limit what we take in through our eyes. We decide to limit what we read or what we watch or, or where we go on the Internet or, or, or whatever. We need to exhibit self-control. Instead of taking our thoughts captive, though, we want to indulge our thoughts. We want to let our minds go where they want to go because people can't see what's going on in our minds. But God sees. We read in Scripture, David says, God, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. God knows. He's all-knowing. So we need to practice self-control with our mind. We also need to practice self-control with our heart, with with our emotions. Uh, the emotions that need to be controlled include anger and rage, uh, resentment, self-pity, and bitterness. Uh, these feelings may be explosive, as in the case of uncontrolled temper, or they may be only simmering, as in the case of self-pity. But in either case, these emotions can be displeasing to God and they need to be included in our efforts to exercise self control. King Solomon said this in the book of Proverbs. He wrote, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self control than one who takes a city. In other words, be patient. Don't rush in, don't be ready to go crazy. Be patient. Uncontrolled emotions hurt us from within when we have unbiblical views of ourselves and they hurt others on the outside when we vent our emotions on them. We know how an uncontrolled temper can destroy others when we tear them down with hurtful words. On the other hand, our other inner emotions attack our identity as sons and daughters of God. Uh, One writer has wrote this, written this. Uncontrolled emotions such as resentment, bitterness, and self-pity may be more destructive to ourselves and to our relationship with God. Uncontrolled temper is soon dissipated. Resentment, bitterness, and self-pity build up inside our hearts and eat away at our spiritual lives like a slowly spreading cancer. All of these sinful inner emotions have in common. They focus on self They put our disappointments, our wounded pride, our shattered dreams on the thrones of our hearts where they become idols to us. We nurture resentment and bitterness and we wallow in self-pity. Intellectually, we know that in all things, God works for good and that nothing can separate us from his love. But in defiance of those God-given promises, we choose to think about that which is dishonoring to God and and distractive of our own spiritual health. So we need to practice self-control with our emotions. I want to bring this all to a close, and we're going to move into a song, so I'm going to invite the the worship team to come on up. But but here's what what we need to know. The the fruit of self-control is one of the fruit that God wants us to produce in our lives as spirit-filled followers. One writer has said this, true spiritual self-discipline Holds believers in bounds but never in bonds. Its effect is to enlarge, expand, and liberate. Let me say that again. True spiritual self-discipline holds believers in bounds but never in bonds. Its effect is to enlarge, expand, and liberate. All of the fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to produce are life-giving, especially self-control. So, As you seek to let the the fruit of the spirit of self-control bear fruit in your life, I encourage you to ask God to let you embrace this fruit. One of the challenges this week is to memorize a verse from the book of Proverbs. It says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You know, in ancient times, walls around cities were used to protect the inhabitants from enemies coming in and doing what they wanted. Self-control is the exercise of inner strength to protect us from things coming in and destroying our lives. So I want you to bear the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And so let me ask you some questions. Are you truly willing to give up enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin in return for living lives that please God? Are you willing to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord of your appetites and desires, of your thoughts and your emotions? Are you willing to break the chains that hold you in sin and ask the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of self-control in your life, are you willing to say to God, I, I'll let go of those things that desire to control me and I'll give them over to you so I can live a, a fruitful life. Will you let go of that area in your life that's out of control? Whether it's a lust or an addiction or an unchecked emotion that is destroying your identity in Christ or destroying others. You know, the truth of the matter is God wants us to to live with him and, and let nothing control us but to walk in spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life. So, you know, we're going to sing this song uh, and it talks about that there's nothing I hold on to, that we're, we're going to climb this mountain. We're going to live life with our hands wide open, not, not holding on to the things of this world, but in faith and obedience to God. So I'm going to invite you to stand And I'm going to invite you to pray like this song talks about, climbing the the mountain with our hands wide open. So as you stand up, would you just hold your hands open, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move right into the song. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who desires to bear good fruit in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of self-control. And Lord, we say to you, we want to bear that fruit of self-control. But Lord, that means... That means opening our hands and letting go of the things that we hold on to so dearly, whether they're lust, whether they're, whether they're things, whether they're feelings, wh- whether they're addictions. Uh, Lord, we have to let go of the things that enchain us. And we have to say, Lord, we're going to climb this mountain of life with you with our hands wide open, and we're going to let you be in control, and we're going to let your way rule in our lives. So, Lord, Let us do this with your help, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. prayer team will be up here. We encourage you to go out in the cafe and connect with one another and encourage one another. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information about Valleybrook Community Church, please visit our website at valleybrook.cc.